Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I don't know about you, but each service we've had in January, I've walked up to this pulpit, and the presence of God has been awesome. I think you can feel, if, you're, if you've got your uh, FM radio on, spiritual FM, I feel a broadcast of peace in this sanctuary tonight. But I have something that I want to share with you tonight that will give a little energy to peace. You can have peace and be fired up at the same time. If our ushers want to come tonight, we'll take the offering. I just, a couple things, if you want to be seated for a moment, we're going to get right into the word tonight. We're going to dismiss, after offering, we'll dismiss for power hour. Just um, a reminder that this Friday, uh, this sanctuary will be open from 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd bless this offering, the reason that we take it. And you, as you've multiplied our blessings, Lord, I pray that you'd multiply this offering as well. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So come on out if you don't have anything to do on Friday night. Well, even if you do have something to do, come on out and make this something that you can enjoy uh, and that you can affect people's lives by doing. I'd like to take a moment and um, power hour, you can be dismissed if you're not already gone. And those that are breakout sessions, if they want to take off as well, uh, we'll let you go at this time. I don't see, if you're a visitor here tonight, we're glad that you're here. I don't, I think everybody that's here tonight is just part of our, our family. And uh, so I'm glad you're here tonight. And I'd like to get right into the word. And after we're, we're done, there'll be lots of times to shake somebody's hand and tell them how good it is to see them. The, my topic tonight is breaking through the sonic barrier. And I, I truly believe that we're living in a dimension, uh, a spiritual dimension that if we were aware of and what it afforded us, we would desperately seek after to enter in. We live by sight or by our fleshly nature. Every one of us has the element of a body. And that body has its own demands. And the older you get, the more demands it makes. But you also have a spirit. And that spirit operates in a different dimension than the body. We like to operate in the human element because our five senses produce things readily. You don't need to be spiritual to see the results of your five senses. But in a spiritual awareness... You have to live in a spiritual realm. Fasting and prayer allows you to enter into a place that you might not readily walk into by just stumbling into it. I'd like to let you know tonight that in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 4, that the God of this world, and we know who that 
that was or still is until he's cast down in the book of Revelation. He has blinded the minds of them which believe not. I marvel at the bill of goods that people buy, intelligent people buy and associate themselves with in our generation. To say that there is no God. With all the technology and all the wisdom that we have, with all the things that we can see from the structure of the atom to see the, 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 the beauty of DNA, how it all is so firmly working together in organization when we have seen things that other generations could not see because of the lack of their technology, yet we are the least godly. I believe that Satan, because people chose not to believe, has blinded their eyes, but he's allowed it in them, set themselves to be blinded. I want to tell you that Satan, he has a network in this world of his own demons and his own princes. He saw how God organized this earth and how he established the fivefold ministry for the church and how in the Old Testament he had prophets and judges. So he's also organized, trying to duplicate his organization. But when he fell in the Garden of Eden, Satan was cast into the Garden of Eden, he was confined to the realm of the earth. We only know of one time or times that he can only go up to heaven is when he has to appear before God because God still holds him accountable. And as Job, the first chapter says, we look at Calvary and we look at the foolishness of those that walk by sight and not by spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, you could look at that word princes in two different ways. That could be those in leadership on this earth, the priest, and, or it could have even been Satan and his organization. If they would have understood that Christ's death on the cross was going to be a propitiation for man's sin, and was going to redeem man from judgment and once again restore this world into Christ's hands, he would have never done it. He himself was deceived. I also am aware that there's a war going on in the spirit world. Even within our own bodies, there's a war between the natural and the spiritual it says in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, this human body, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. For we wrestle, in Ephesians 6 and 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I can't use the same weapons that I use in my human realm, in my spiritual realm. They're ineffective. They're useless. So what the scripture tries to reinforce with the saint 
or the child of God if he's going to enter into the warfare of this world between the war between evil or Satan and God and be effective, he has to learn to fight in the realm of the spirit. Otherwise, he'll be totally ineffective, he'll become disillusioned, and he'll withdraw and be non-profitable as far as a warrior is concerned. But I can't fight against something I can't see. So Christ said to the church, I'm going to not only give you fruits of the Spirit to make you grow strong and to draw people to yourself, but I'm going to give you gifts of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. Both of those are designed for a spiritual growth and warfare. One of the gifts that I feel is most underused is the gift of discernment. The discerning of spirits. Now the Bible says you should fall behind lacking no gift. We all like to take go for the gift of healing. The gift of faith. But not many people say, Lord, I'd like the gift of discernment. Because sometimes you don't want to feel what you feel. But I like to... I feel that that's one of the gifts that God has allowed me to have that I, I so much cherish, to be able to discern something, not with my eyes, not with my mind, but with my spirit. There have been many times, and this isn't about me, but I want to show you how the spirit can work. Many times when I sleep at night, that I discern things while I'm sleeping in my spirit, evil things, and I end up chasing and challenging darkness in my dreams. That's, I wouldn't want to do that naturally. I was running through the dark. Come out, I know you're there. I want to come out and face me like a man, Satan. Fight with me. Because my spirit is powerful. God's spirit is powerful. His name causes every spirit to fall before it. And my spirit rejoices in him. Amen. Now, I set that one up to share with you something. And I want to share some things that are coming forth from this fast. And maybe it'll whet your appetite. Last Thursday night, um, let me ask you a question before I go any further. Does anybody believe that speaking in tongues is for today? That's pretty crazy, isn't that supernatural? How many believe that people can lay hands on somebody and they can be healed? Oh, that's pretty spiritual, isn't it? How many of you believe that God can speak to you in a vision? That's scary, though. But how many of you have more than one time or at least one time spoken or had a vision from God and you know it was from God and it wasn't a dream. Good. Not as many that receive, as received the Holy Spirit though. So what I'm about to share with you, it shouldn't be unusual. This should be as normal as someone receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the last days, God shall uh, speak to us in dreams and in visions, warning us. 
So anyways, I, I had a, on, on Thursday night, I had a, a night where I had three consecutive visions. I know they were visions. They weren't pizza-related. But I want to share the last, the last part of a dream and the last dream. Because I'd never had anything like this happen before, and it excited me. And I'll just share the last dream. And maybe I'll share the other some other time. But I was so fired up by the two previous visions, I would fall asleep, have the vision, wake up. Fall asleep, catch the second vision, which followed up the first, wake up. Fall asleep, the third vision would come, start, and then follow up, with, and, and then I would wake up. But the third vision, I was so fired up by what I saw in the first two visions, that in my vision, I was running like a child. <laughs> Not like I run now. I look like a locomotive without wheels. I mean, I was running through the grass and spinning and laughing like I did when I was 15 years old. And I was shouting, there's angels here. I know you're here. You're all around me. Show yourselves. Just like I would have done with Satan in previous dreams. I was challenging them. I know you're here. Show yourselves, and I'm laughing, and it's just rejoicing. And then all of a sudden, a light shone before my face. It was a yellow gold light, and it, it grew in intensity, so much so that I could not see anything after a minute or two but the light. And then it diminished, and there standing in front of me were 12 individuals, all smiling back at me, rejoicing in my childlike faith. And God was trying to share with me, we are involved in the battle, but we're not alone. Greater are those that are with you than those that are against you. God is challenging me to challenge you to search him out. Try me and see. The night isn't so lonely when you're not by yourself. The battle isn't so great when you realize that those that are with you are greater than those that are against you. And I could go back and share Elijah's story when the Syrian army surrounded his little uh, cottage and his servant looked out the window and said, oh, Elijah, what are we going to do? The armies of Syria surrounded us. We're, we're going to perish. And Elijah never had any sweat, wasn't even nervous at all. He said, God opened up his eyes. I forgot, he hasn't like Charles in A Wonderful Life, he hasn't got his wings yet. You're going to have to open up his eyes, God. Let him see what's there. And God allowed his eyes to be opened, and he saw a multitude of angels surrounding the armies of Syria, and his fear left. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord, our God, is with us. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord our God is with us. And sometimes we, we walk by situations because we don't take the time to live in the Spirit. Well, it's hard to get into the Spirit. No, it's not. I'm getting so senile, and I think when I go to work that people must just think that they should call 911 and have someone pull me over because... I must look a wreck sometimes because I'm having a conversation and sometimes I'm laughing, sometimes I'm crying. And, 
but I talk with them all the time. Well, did you pray your hour today? Well, I don't know how long I prayed. I just never stopped praying. I had an intermission along the way, and I had to do some of this and that. But lots of times, if I keep in communication with God as I walk through the day, I'm more sensitive to the Spirit than trying to walk into a closet for one hour and then leaving it and turning on the news and forgetting everything that I've just been involved in. There's two different kingdoms. The Bible talks about Matthew in Matthew 25, 34. It says, inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate? He says, my kingdom is not of this world, otherwise my servants would fight. I wouldn't have told Peter to put away the sword if this is my kingdom. If it was my time to come into Jerusalem and rule, I wouldn't have told my, my soldiers to put their swords away, but my kingdom's not of this world. And then in Matthew 25, 41, this was spoken to those that had done his will. And then he says, depart from me, you cursed, in verse 41, into everlasting fire. There's another kingdom. It's the kingdom of the lost. When Jesus came off his fast, Satan tempted him with a kingdom. Matthew 4, verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil taketh him up onto an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Jesus did not say they're not yours to give. So Satan was trying to offer him something that he'd lost in the fall. But his kingdom isn't necessarily of this world. Satan knew that he was the God of this world. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, he had, he had the authority to even offer this to Christ without any rebuke from Christ. When we look at Daniel, we find Daniel warring in the spirit. Daniel was fasting and he was praying about a vision that he received from God. Going back to visions now. When God shows you things outside the realm of your natural living, it will fire you up. It will cause you to get excited. It's like seeing the mountains for the first time when you've lived in Illinois all your life, where there are no hills. It's like seeing an ocean for the first time. Once you enter into the realm of the Spirit, it excites you. You're energized. So Daniel has received a vision. It has totally set him on fire, but he doesn't understand the vision. Many times the visions that I have, I don't understand. I say, God, what does this mean? And God says, I'll reveal the vision to you in due time. And I pray about it. I say, Lord, I don't, still don't understand it. But God still speaks to us. But it still excites me to know that I can live in a realm outside of humanity. That God talks to me. That God talks to you. 
You should be excited. The day that he filled you with the Holy Ghost and you spoke in tongues by, under the inspiration and anointing of Holy God. How did you feel? <laughs> I'm not going to bed at night tonight. I'm all fired up. You know, it was, it was actually somewhat unusual. The night that I was baptized, God already, even before I received the Holy Spirit, started to speak to me. And I think I was listening to, I think Brother Kylie, Pastor Kylie, was talking about a dream that he had, I think last Sunday or the Sunday before, on the night that he was baptized, if I remember right, or shortly after he was baptized. I hope I'm not murdering it, but I thought I listened to that. The night that I was baptized, I went back home and went to bed, and I'm new to all of this. No Bible studies, no Holy Spirit, haven't talked in tongues. I'm brand new. And in my dream, I had a 60-minute, one of those dreams, 60 minutes, where there's a narrator taking me through the events of Revelation. And here we are at the river Euphrates, and the person is speaking to me, and he's telling me things that I have never read. This river Euphrates will dry up. And he, as he talks to me, at the end of the vision, he takes me to a lake that's of molten, molten lava. And there is a, there's a, like a plank that goes out over the molten lava. And on the other side, the person that's been speaking to me stands. I see his image, but I can't see him clearly. He stands on the opposite side of this, this pit, this molten pit. And a friend, my closest friend, stands before me. He's standing on the edge of the plank over this pit of molten rock. The angel doesn't speak to me, but he insinuates that I should push him off. Well, I don't do that in my dream, but I wake up. So I've had the very first night that I've been, after my baptism, God is already trying to find people that will be sensitive to his voice and not afraid to share the visions that he gives. The day that I stop sharing what God showed me is the day that my visions will stop. The day that I stop teaching is the day that I reach the level of my knowledge, the highest level of my knowledge. Do you know what happened? About three days later, I was with my, my friend Paul. I'm all pumped up after my baptism. I haven't even got the Holy Ghost yet. I'm, I'm excited. And Paul says to me, he says, Steve, I haven't seen you. You, you want to go out? Let's go, let's go bar hopping again. Let's, let's go out and have some fun. And I said, Paul, I have to talk to you. Paul, you aren't going to believe what's happened to me. I got to share this with you. It's so awesome. I became a Christian and God's speaking to me and I, I feel so fulfilled. I want you to have this, Paul. Come to church with me. And Paul just blew me off. He was upset with me and never talked to me again. We had grown up together. We got into trouble together. We were always together. But when I asked him to come to church just one time, he would not have anything to do with me. And then I remembered the vision. Paul needed an invitation. 
Even though God probably figured that he would not accept it, God still wanted it delivered. So these visions will oftentimes warn you of things that are about to happen. Visions will oftentimes encourage you. Daniel has fallen asleep. He's fasted about the vision that he's received and he's upon his knees and on the palms of his hands. And in verse 8 of Daniel 10, he said unto me, the spirit, this angel comes and speaks unto him, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. What's he saying? Daniel... God is not slack. God's ears are not deaf. From the moment you open your mouth, from the very second that that prayer originates from your sincere heart, it goes directly to God's ears. And God answers immediately. But sometimes, friction, there's, a, there's an embargo that stands between the heaven and the person praying and the enemies of God. These princes of the world resist the angels. This angel said, we, we fought with these princes of Persia. They slowed us down, but they didn't conquer us. But we would, from the very moment that you prayed, God heard. There's a warfare going on around us. And sometimes when you feel God is slack concerning his promises and you start to accuse him of not caring, maybe you should wonder how many people are fighting for you at that very moment in a spiritual realm, trying to give you what God wants you to have. Now, you ask the question, and I'm not afraid to answer what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, if God is so great, why doesn't he just smash Satan and just tell me directly? Because God operates in a way that's different than we might understand. That if we want to grow, for instance, we have to learn and we need to exercise. We need to learn patience. We need to learn perseverance. We need to endure. If you gave your child everything he wanted at the very moment that he asked for it, he would grow up immature, childish, and never mature. So God says, I'm going to operate in this realm. I look at Job. Job is, is the masterpiece on, on God's mantle. He's the thing that he shows off to Satan when he walks into the throne room of heaven. Have you seen Job? How upright and perfect in all of his ways. And there's none like him on earth. Do you see that, Satan? And Satan, being the fool that he is, says, well, he only serves you because of what you give him. And yes, there are people that serve God only for the blessings. 
They only serve God when things are going right. And Satan was wrong in that regard when it came to Job. And you know the story. He said, take away your hand and remove the hedge around his home and let me touch his money and let me touch his family and watch him curse you to your face. God takes glory in his children. Just like you ever take a picture of if you've got kids, ever take a picture of your kids out and say, hey, that's my son. I do. I'm not going to say anything because my son here and I don't want him to get a big head or anything, but that's my son. I'm proud of him. He's cool. He's a great kid. He loves God. I'm proud of him. Look at what his family, look at all these things. I told you I wasn't going to brag about you, but I did. God does the same thing to you about you. He loves to show you off. But to show you off, he has to have some reason to. And for you to endure the hardships of life and still praise God and walk for God and praise him and worship him like nothing's happened, it makes him feel so proud and he wants to bless you. Fasting. You aren't buying a miracle and I I don't like it when people say, if you fast hard enough, you'll get what you want. That is a lie. That's like saying if you pray hard enough, you can have whatever you want. No, that's not right because God isn't going to give you something that's going to harm you. The Bible says you ask amiss. But I do know that fasting shows sincerity and prayer and petition together with sincerity moves God's attention. When Job lost, I was reading that today with our residents, and I said, look at this. Verse after verse after verse, the Sabians come. They steal his camels. His sheep are burned up in fire from heaven. The the oxen are gone. And then fire, fire comes down from heaven and burns up the sheep, by the way. Huh. Think about that. Fire fell from heaven and burned up the sheep. Now, who did that? Come on, tell me. Satan did that. So, does that mean Satan has power to duplicate what God has done? The only other time I saw fire fall from heaven before was when it fell on the sacrifices of Ahab's clan, of his what were they called? Um, Ahab and Jezebel's Balak, Balaam? Prophets of Baal. Fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Now fire falls from heaven and it falls upon the sheep. Why did Satan do it that way? Because he wanted Job to think that God was judging him. Look, Job, who could bring fire down from heaven except God? And then guess what? He uses nature again, Satan does. And there's his children are all gathered in the oldest son's house. They're having fellowship. I know the Bible says party, but I don't know 
if what they were doing, but I don't think it was sinful. They were all gathered together, and then as the Bible says, a strong wind came. That's the forces of nature. Might have been a tornado, for all I know. And it killed everyone in the house. Verse after verse after verse, one after another after another. Two, div- two supernatural acts took place. You ever wonder why the insurance company has things called an act of God? Oh, you lost your house. Well, that falls under act of God. Really? You're going to blame him for that. Well, what about the other guy that has power over nature? See, we need to not underestimate our enemy. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so Job, after all this happens, says this, I've lost everything. Naked I came into this world, and naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Don't you think at that moment that God was more proud of Job than he'd ever been in all of his life when he pointed to Satan and said, See, Job? Well, you, can all, you always know when you're doing good because if, if Satan can't get you to stop serving God by taking your job away and hurting your family, he'll try to take your health away. So he starts to attack you in your body, and that's exactly what Satan did to Job. He got these terrible boils all over his body. He was so changed by the the swelling and the, the grossness of it that he didn't even look like a man. He was in misery. I don't know about you, but this dry weather, my skin gets dry I don't know about yours, I'm putting lotion on it and I itch my legs, especially from the heater vent, throwing the hot air. Do you know how irritating that is to try to sleep at night and have an itch? I'm sure glad I got feet down there because I'd be pulling my back out of alignment, itching it all night. Can you imagine having boils from the top of your head all the way underneath your feet? You couldn't sleep, you couldn't eat. Do you think that you would try to talk to God at that time? Absolutely. God, why are you doing this to me? God's saying, I didn't do it to you. You know, three quarters of the things you blame God for, he had no part in. He's allowed you to go through those things because he has a blessing for you on the other side. But you're not going to receive the blessing until you go through the program that he's designed. And with this church, we've We've had people come in and prophesy and say, you know, this church is going to be so big that we're going to, you're going to have to knock the walls out and all that stuff. And we say, well, God, did you talk to that man or was he talking off the top of his head? God's saying, when you've accomplished and learned how to handle what I've given you, I will give you more. He's not, his promises don't be, aren't canceled out. And so I trust in those promises. And Job, at the very end, received more in the end of his life than he had during his whole life. I was sitting here tonight, and I was thinking about 
the guy that broke the sound barrier. Now, don't tell me. I know you think you, you, you probably know, but I was thinking about it. Who was the guy that broke the sound barrier? I think his name was Chuck Yeager. Am I right? We know him. He was a test pilot, by the way. And he did something that none, no other pilot ever did. We found out that if a plane flies at 765 miles an hour at the basic temperature of 32 degrees, 765 miles an hour is, guess what? It's the speed of sound. In other words, my voice is traveling out to you right now at 765 miles an hour. So the Chuck Yeager, they started to fly these, these, these test planes, and they were flying up to 700, 750, and when they got up to 765, the plane would shake, and they would back off, and they'd say, well, I don't know, what, what's going to happen if we continue at 765 miles an hour, that's pretty fast, to go through that process. Do we stay under 765 all of our life, or do we go for it and see what happens if we go above it? Well, Chuck Yeager went faster than 765, and when he did, his plane was going faster than the speed of sound. His plane was colliding with the airwaves, the sound waves that he was creating. It's like a ripple running into itself, and it created what we call the sonic blast. But you had to get beyond that 765 to break the sound barrier. It didn't change from 500 to 600 to 400. It always remained 765. If you want a sonic boom in your life, you can't keep traveling at the same speed you are. Sometimes when you go faster and you serve God harder than you've ever had before, you run into friction and you become frightened because you don't know what's going to happen next. And when you break the sound barrier, I don't know, I don't remember Chuck telling on the documentary that I saw what it felt like to be going faster than the speed of sound, but I know that we do that all the time now. The Blue Angels, I think, when they do their shows, they break the sound barrier during the show. But what must it feel like on the other side? It smooths out. I don't know about you, but we fast and we pray because we're not content with living under the, the speed of sound. We want to live in a dimension that's faster than our, the dimension that we used to live in. But when you get to the place where you step into the spiritual realm, there may be some apprehension, but don't stop because on the other side, you will find power and authority and victory that you did not have before. And so I think tonight, you know, the Bible says eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the mind of man those things that God has prepared for them that love him. 
Now, we think that he's talking about heaven, right? No, not necessarily. He's got things that are prepared for you now that you can't even imagine. Now, you can be content with your Samsung S3, Galaxy S3. But I'm going after the Samsung Edge Plus. Plus, not the standard. But you know what? That thing costs a lot of money. It would cost me almost a day's wage working for Kevin Barningham, $700. I know, I'm, in, I'm getting funny now and I'll slap because I think the anointing's lifting a little bit. But you know what, if I really want it, I'm going to have to work for it. Nobody's going to give it to me. I'd like to go on the internet and type in on the internet and Google, looking for free, brand new Samsung Edge 6 Plus. You know how many people would come back and say, good luck. You can have what you want tonight. And I know that inside of us, this fast has caused us to thirst to enter into a dimension of God that we've never seen. I love where God has brought me. Sometimes I feel guilty because I live at a lower level knowing more than I'd ever known before. Knowing all, seeing all the things that God has shown me and the visions that he's shown me, sometimes I feel guilty when I struggle knowing what I know. But you know what? I've learned that God forgives and increases faith. I can't always stay at above the speed of sound without burning energy. If you stop slowing down, you go back into that human dimension again. You've got to stay expending that same amount of energy to stay in the spiritual realm. Every day, you've got to pray if you want to stay in the spiritual realm. If you stop, you're going to go back to the human realm. So, that's what I want to share with you tonight. Breaking the faith barrier. So, let's stand together. I remember, I don't know if I told you this, but my brother invited me over one night and we watched War Room. I was, I want to watch it again. Um, I was so moved by that movie and the message that it had. And I am, I know that I might have shared this with you before, but it just came to my mind, so maybe somebody else needs to hear this. But about 9.30 at night, I'm driving home and I got my rear-wheel drive Buick, and I'm just, it's, maybe it's about 32 degrees, and I'm saying, God, I want to pray like that all the time. I know I've been there before. I know what this lady's talking about. I've experienced it before. Thank you for anointing me and putting that desire to go back and play, pray like that again, Lord. Thank you. I want to do it. And I started to pray earnestly in the car. And I, you know, just started to come out because it was so natural because my spirit 
wanted to pray like that. My, that Holy Spirit wanted to come out and speak to God in my human, the human element. So I'm praying really hard and I come by Ottawa State Campground, the campground, and I hit that curve and I really didn't think I was driving that fast. And I'm praying and I lose, start to lose control of my car. And I, again, I've probably told you this before, but please bear me with me again. But she started to swing out to the right. And I stopped my, the kind of prayer I was praying, and I, I started to focus on what was happening. And it was like God said to me, don't panic, hold on, and let me help you. See, when I'm living in a spirit, God just all of a sudden speaks to me. I hope someday, if you've never had it happen, that you'll be driving down the road and you'll feel him enter into your car or into the room where you are. I hope if you've never felt it, that you do. And you feel the, the hair stand up on your neck and you feel his presence in the room and you know that there's something divine next to you. My spirit recognizes it and he starts to talk to me. Yes, he does. Stephen, I love you. And I say, thank you, God. I needed to hear that. I like it when you tell me that you love me. Tell me again, God. I love you too so much. And pretty soon, he starts to talk with me. The world doesn't understand how an invisible God can talk to humanity because the devil's blinded their eyes. Why can't God talk to me? Oh, how awesome he is. I love you, God. And then the tears flow. And it's like a family reunion. Oh, Lord, thank you for helping me through the day. And you start to share all different things. I want you to want that. I want you to experience that not just once in your lifetime. I want you to experience it when you go home, whenever you're by yourself. Is God real? Oh. Everyone here knows that. Now, Lord, in closing tonight, I pray as you have directed me to share the things that I've directed and I've done as you've asked me to do, I ask you, Lord, to do a miracle here for us tonight. I ask you to start to speak in a very direct way to those that desire to hear your voice. I pray, God, that they can feel your... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.